0: episode 56 of book off banter this week we are going to do a young horse episode inspired by um, a question sent in by a listener but before we do that we're going to have a quick catch-up on some news actually it's probably not going to be a quick catch-up it never is with us I don't even know why why do I bother um do you want to go first or shall I
1: no you can go first your news is way more exciting
0: my first news is super exciting mint all of it is exciting has arrived
1: he has arrived yeah
0: He is the loveliest, gentlest, kindest two-year-old I have ever encountered. Very applicable for this episode, for the Young Horse episode. He is just a very, very nice person. Um, We did have a minor thing where I nearly nominated him for Wanker of the Week. So I put him in our top stable. So we've got like a row of five. So the one at the top, obviously, he's got like he had bougie on one side and then no one on the other he just decided like well that obviously means I'm in love with bougie Mm -hmm. so I put him in the field not with bougie because I didn't want two young horses together he promptly jumped in with bougie
1: oh well that's a good start so
0: yeah so he was happy as Larry the two of them sticking their fingers up at me um Next day, I thought, okay, so he didn't like who he was out with. He didn't like Molly. I know. I'll put him with Pan, who's quite good crack, slash a lunatic. So I introduced him to Pan. They made friends. They groomed, all of that, put him out, watched him for half an hour, all good, went to catch him. Guess where he was? (laughs) In with Bougie. So I was like, okay, went round, round circles, decided, fuck it. Okay, you just have to go out with Bougie because it's better that than him keep jumping fences. Yeah. Next day, um, Lauren, who helps with the horses, went to move Bougie to the hay so she could muck him out and Mint tried to jump the door. But Mm -hmm. our stable doors, I'll maybe put a photo. So like, they're kind of like a slate. So there's like a, a metal top, not like a big open sort of stable. So anyway, basically, the long and short of it is, it's got it, it's got its front legs over the door, which I hate. That like gives me cold chills. But head-buttered full force, the metal top of the door. So it's now sporting like five cuts across its forehead and scared the living shit out of me. So we had to move all of the horses, because obviously you can't be separated from Bougie in the field. So I thought, well, at least if we can separate them in stables, that's something. So we moved them all. Bougie didn't like the stable. He moved to, So we moved them all again. And now all is good with the world.
1: I'm glad someone else has these fucking dramas, because my week was, last week, was similar to this, but different, but similar. So I'm glad that um, we are kindred spirits in the
0: (laughs) Fuckery of this one can
1: go with that one, but it can't go with this one because then this will happen. And if that one goes there, and then if it's windy, yeah. Um, it's, and at least he has probably now learned that jumping, trying to jump out of stables is stupid.
0: I hope so, but it is, isn't it? You find yourself going, well, this one, and like I, I really believe in like they should be happy in their stable. You know, that's kind of like if they're stressed, then they're they're never relaxed, they're never resting. And, like I was saying, well, Manny, he's not going to like being with that one. And he doesn't really like that. But Belinda doesn't really like other horses. And, oh my God. And, like, you find yourself basically like being a therapist, but in your own head for what they probably are thinking.
1: Yeah. No, this stuff genuinely nearly caused me to have a nervous breakdown last week. I cried. I actually fucking cried the other morning over this stuff. So, uh, you have my sympathies. You really do.
0: Ridiculous. Yeah, isn't
1: It's insane and you can't say it to other people or even other like generally more normal horse people because they're like what the fuck like who has this life and I'm like I do um and you do so there you go but um
0: we're kindred spirits in the fucking it's
1: like I said I cried you're ahead of me anyway you were just like what the fuck I was actually crying crying <laughs> on the phone to my husband in floods of tears because I just couldn't do it anymore <laughs> anyway never mind um
0: so what else um so I'll do a quick catch up um oh actually talking about fuckery this isn't horsey I had the last in my like series of investigations for like my head for my CSF oh, cool. oh yeah yeah how's that going i forgot to ask about this so i had a high definition ct then i had um an mri and then i had to get a camera up my nose um so i went the last thing was the camera up my nose and that was on monday so i'm sitting in the waiting room and this like old guy comes in and proceeds to boot off in a kind of like you know just a I think they don't know they're doing it sometimes, like old people. And it's just like a he wanted to tell his story of annoyance
1: to Uh basically
0: anyone that he encountered. But Uh he was getting himself more and more irate with. Oh, no. And like, I felt like, honestly, I wanted to just go over and say, look, just tell me. Because ultimately, I, I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. And I can see where this is heading because like everyone was getting increasingly pissed off and they were like, sir, can you please return to your seat? And he was like, all I want, all I want is hearing aid battery. And, and just along the corridor. And I know they're along the corridor because I've always got them from along the corridor. And now you won't let me go along the corridor because you're going to send it out. But you haven't sent it out. Aww. And it's ridiculous and it's nonsense. And this is why the NHS is in tatters and all of this. Well, and just give them a battery and just let them go home. Exactly. Like, what's the big deal? Poor old devil. So then, like, obviously, the, like some of the staff were really nice. And they were like, look, the problem is it's COVID. We can't have you going. Like we can't have basically everyone who needs a battery going along the corridor because we've got very vulnerable people here. Like just go and get one and bring it down here then. No, like, why does it have
1: to be so complicated?
0: So we kind of went right. But then like there was this woman came out and she was clearly like just shitty with life. And so she was like, sir, if you do not return to your seat, I will have to call security. So he followed her to tell her, obviously, the hearing aid tale. So I had the misfortune of sitting in the waiting room. All the staff had disappeared. And these two enormous security men, right, stab vests, the whole fucking kit and caboodle. For fuck's sake. Come in. And they're looking around at this completely peaceful way.
1: <laughs> she looks horsey. They're always
0: like this. <laughs> like, who are we here to tease? And then this like woman sitting near me went, it's that fella along there. The the guy with like Jesus sandals and socks. Like, <laughs> Do you see the security men like looking up thinking, what the fuck?
1: oh, Jesus! It's always just I just it's just unnecessary
0: though, isn't it? That crap, (laughs) like it's just unnecessary. I honestly, I said to Ben, I so wanted to just go and say, look, just like go along with it. Do you know what I mean? Like just, just let it go with them and just tell me. But at this point, security being called, and I thought I'm going to end up fucking. I'll be hauled out with him. Like
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ben will be getting you know one phone call from the fucking cells (laughs) to Ben and maybe like
0: you're where all he wanted was a fucking battery for his hearing aid <laughs> being like, what? out. <laughs> yeah. like what's happening i'm not sure i
1: understand
0: <laughs> oh so yeah um that's just a random bit of like my week um okay so i'll do a really quick entry catch up um i was really really happy with them i was really pleased with how they went on paper, shit show really, to be fair. Um, I don't think I've ever had as many eight fault rounds in my life. It wasn't even fucking four. Four faults is like a bit of a mishap. Eight faults is a fucking, just annoying amount of faults. I think I had eight faults just about every fucking time. Partly with Manny because, so Carla, I I, think I talked about this in the last podcast. Carla told me she wanted me to put roundings on. I told you that, didn't I? And I wanted to put him yeah. in a Snaffle because he was so backwards. Anyway, I ignored Carla and decided that I would do me. And the first day he seemed really positive and really forward. So I thought, okay, I'll leave him in the bit he's been in. Maybe Arena was just a blip-horrific, really backwards. Okay, learned my lesson. So then I went off piste and I decided like drop him right back, take it all off him. So then he charged round and I couldn't half halt and he ran deep because I had no control or steering because I put him in a straight bar rubber uh, (laughs) bit. So that didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So then the next day changed it again. Again, another shit show. On the final day, at this point, I was thinking, like, I'm getting desperate because I want to have a half-decent round the last day. I said to Carla, I'm thinking I might just put him in the bit he was in originally with roundings. And she said, mm-hmm. Fair play, but she didn't say I told you so. <laughs> she probably was thinking it, I'm sure, but she didn't say it. Anyway, he jumped a really good round. Um, I was really happy with him. I mean, to be fair as well, he jumped He jumped the class up because he had been in the newcomers and he jumped the meter 15 And it was at a prem, so it was built really strong. He jumped out the whole time he was there and he was great. But yeah, anyway, that's me just being a total dick because the person that I train with, surely I should just fucking listen to her and do what she says. But I absolutely wasn't going to let that deter me in any way, shape or form. Did my own thing. Um, yeah, but
1: you're riding the horse too, and like, you know, sometimes yeah. how you feel and what's happening, and like you just have to sort of figure that out for yourself, don't you?
0: exactly I'm I'm like that. I'm that sort of person. I can't be told. Yeah. I have no, to it's like not
1: that you can't be told though, either. Like I don't I have to like it life or death, see it but, myself.
0: Do you know yeah, what I mean? exactly? He was really good with his changes though, because he's been going disunited and we've worked yeah. so hard on doing loads of counter canter which has then taught him to do a change, which is, Makes no There's sense to me at matter, Gloss
1: over it, move on. It's working.
0: But yeah, it's, it happened. So great. Happy with him. Happy with myself because when I said to a couple of people that we'd gone with that I'd stepped him up for no other reason. Did I say? Did I mention this? No other reason than Ben said Aintree's a proper bitch because um, the stables are really far from the arena. Yeah. So Ben was like, just jump the bigger class. Because it will be too much of a stress if they're both in the same class. Well, that's not usually the reason that you jump a bigger class. It's sheer convenience. But anyway, Ben convinced me. So when I said to a couple of people, I said, oh, like, this is what I've done. And they, they said, what are you jumping? And I said, and I said, why? And they were like, oh, I said, it can't be that much different. It's only a hole. Oh, you say that, but honestly... It, it honestly, it is so different. They're so much wider, so much stronger because it's not like a newcomer's 110. So it's built for open horses. So it's much more technical, all this jazz. Now, old me, right, would have literally, that would have been it. I would have basically packed the stables up and gone back home. But I just said like, if I can't get around this, I probably couldn't have got around 110 either. And it's only a hole and Manny won't know the difference. And I refuse to become nervous for a hole. And I actually kind of, like, believed, you know, and you, like, tell yourself something so hard. I was like, I am not letting them, like, sway that thought process. And I didn't, Good. which is unheard of for me. Good.
1: That's great.
0: So I was pleased with that. And I was really, really, really pleased with Pancake. So happy Brilliant. with him. and um, I don't know if it was, but... I, I don't think I'd clipped him last time I spoke, last time on the podcast. Um. So anyway, when he's a bastard. We've talked about this loads of times. He's deranged. So you can get up to his shoulder, and then he lose, like, not, you can't even get his shoulder. Like, so basically he can get, to like, ribs, and then he just fucking goes insane. Anyway, I decided I would plug his ears with the, like, you know, the kind yep. of pluggy plug things. Yeah. And put a hood on him, like a veil thing. So... I did that. He stood like a rock until I got to his face, which obviously I had become overconfident because he'd stood like a rock. But I think what it is, I think he's noise sensitive to his ears. Then from there, I think he doesn't like the vibration. Obviously, I wasn't to know this and just thought, brilliant, he's standing like a rock clipped the first bit of his face with the normal clippers. Oh, he reared sh- up, kicked me in the arm, smacked the clippers out, braided his head on the solarium. Um, so that was, I'm not going to lie, that was a down, a down moment in the clipping proceedings. But it then made me think, okay, I'm going to take those pluggy things to the show. It's the most relaxed he has ever been.
1: I swear by any kind of fucking in- death inducement i i have earplugs i have three sets of earplugs one two of the plugs phone plugs and i have a set of fluffy ones Pugs
0: just drinking like
1: it like does it's, that it's a feature <laughs> um and soundproof ears as well and i swear to god a deaf horse is a fucking calm horse i was just thinking a bear in particular i have terrible problems with bear with a hearing she's very noise sensitive And I was just thinking the other day, wouldn't it be really good? It's like completely morally and ethically wrong. But like, imagine if they could like do like like a minor surgery and just make them deaf, snip, snip, and then make them deaf. It'd be amazing. Because seriously, a deaf horse is like a quiet horse. So that's really good that you found something to help him.
0: Yeah, because like he always wears the soundproof ears. But honestly, if it was the plug things that made the difference this time, he is like a different horse he's so much more rideable
1: that's really good I'm really that's happy. Really, really uh yeah no, I'm all for the deafness though I really am um, last summer I y- you think it doesn't make a difference but last summer I um I took bare schooling somewhere and I'd forgotten my sandproof ears and it was windy and they had flags and the whole lot and she was just beside herself. I couldn't get on her. Oh, well, I got on her for like five strides. And then I jumped off. I was like, fuck that. Yeah. Um, and eventually she kind of calmed down a bit. But like, there's no comparison. Yeah. So like, I think if these things work for you, like they're just not equipped for the life we put them through. So yeah. sometimes you have to like, you know, like last, she, she has to go out in the field. She used to go out with the earplugs in, but sometimes I would lose an earplug, which is annoying because actually quite expensive. Those plugs if you're going yeah um and i ride her in sand so what i did was i got a set of equiline soundless sand and put mm-hmm. them sewed them into a fly hood like a not a fly, like a fly mask proper fly mask yeah. because Bear also has a really nasty habit of getting stung in the eyes i don't know by what but it's been a feature um <laughs> so i thought well we'll kill, kill two birds with one stone and you know be the horse whilst keeping it quiet and then the other day see like obviously it's not summer anymore and she'd been rolling and there was a bit of mud on the mask or whatever and then it pissed with rain and the mud washed down over the mesh the horse was completely fucking blind which was fine <laughs> until I went to try and catch her and I got within, I was wearing that ridiculous, very waterproof, bright right. orange Coast Guard coat. And I got within about two foot of her and she was like, whoa, what is that? <laughs> Ran away, but then couldn't really run anywhere because she was completely blind, blind and deaf. deaf. <laughs> so it took quite a while to get her to be like, no, it's me, it's mommy, i a sweetie. Uh, eventually managed to get a caught. But the thing was, instead of running around the field like a knob, like normal, she... She was standing still until I tried to catch her. Proving yeah, my point.
0: So blind, deaf you think, yeah, you're wild. going for blind as well blind as deaf death. now. Fair yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's it's the way forward.
0: No, so so what's your news other than trying to keep your horses as blind and deaf? Blind, deaf, and blind. Yeah, and blind. I yeah,
1: yeah. I went on a I went I went on a, a spree of schooling things. I took I jumped bare at a show. And it was awful. I think I said that on the last podcast. It was a bit depressing actually. She just basically pissed off with me. So yeah. that was miserable. And then I started dicking around with bits and bridles because that's what I do. And then I went schooling with her in a short shank hackamore with a trust ported snaffle on a slip head. So kind yeah. of like a double bridle but with instead of a curb bit I had a hackamore. And that was better. She jumped actually very well but still not ideal and I was like oh I need to add in because I've been she's a small horse and although she has a really good quality canter she doesn't have a very long canter stride and so because I have this horrible habit of like hooking and holding if I let myself I never let myself yeah same as I think I went through this last time as well so like I make myself ride normal distance all the time yeah well and that's fine I I you know you think at my age with my fucking experience I'd have been ahead of the posse with this but no I didn't trust myself enough to you know to do it right I'm all about making the training fit around the horse until it's my horse my favorite horse my most amazing horse and then I obviously have to try and reinvent the horse to fit the fucking textbook and I just sent her a bit off her head because I was like land after the fence and then you know move yeah and that's fine but she's really really brave so when you say go she's like it," and then you can't stop Yes, yeah. you've trained your horse to run away um and i think sometimes with horses in that situation you could put a train in that horse's mouth yeah it it doesn't matter you've taught it to grab and go yeah it doesn't matter what bit you put on it so that's why i went for the hackamore i ordered a combination various combination um it has a conic's mouthpiece on like a small american gag and then like a really soft rope part for the hackamore so i ordered one of those um i was talking to a friend in between time and she said something about a leather bit and i was like i have a leather bit and i've never put it on bare sure can't be any worse than it is so i put the leather bit on her and at the moment it's like fucking night and day i'd say i have so much canter that it's not running off with me anymore and it's amazing, and it's me me doing this all those distances. Now, I have no idea what will happen when I put a horse in front of her. But I was just thinking today, like, it's really hard to describe it because if you've got a horse that's not making the distances, she, she's a bit funny in her mouth, and she obviously didn't feel comfortable like really going into the bridles I was putting her in. And I just, yeah. I don't know, it's all a bit of a jumble. But I put her in this leather bit, and she's like a changed horse. It's like everything has fallen into place. It's like we can now canter forward in a big canter, but without pissing off like a maniac. And like it's cantering down the distances like counterpose really well so on the flip side someone else more worldly than me would have been like well perhaps if you've ridden it forward in the first place and that's fine but you can't ride forward on a horse that's pissing off at you yeah so whatever has happened between the hackmore and the leather bit and things something has just
0: these ones place. are so tricky like these types so, so um yeah. at entry, we had four faults coming on a distance like a dog leg So we landed on the outside line, which...
1: Yeah, put you on a half stride. Put me on a half
0: stride. And I didn't want to send him because he's hot as fuck. Yeah. But it was a big square oxer, so it was the second part of the course. So it was like, it was probably, you know, 120 square oxer. So you don't want to... Want to hold. Exactly. And then... It's like, it's so tricky. So I did hold because I would rather hold him, but he was deep to it and it was big and square. And he he took the front, like, he didn't wear it or anything, but like he clipped the front rail and had it. And then I came out and Carla was like, that was a hard one. She was like, look, the distance was six, but you were on the outside. Yeah. Yeah." She was like, you were on the outside line. And she was like, maybe you should have ridden for the six. Like, but I was like, but if I sent him, well, potentially... had the,
1: the back rail, and then not made to turn at the other end. Exactly. You know what
0: I mean? Like it's either or. Like, like she was, she was kind of the same as me. Like she said, that's why you had it. But she was like, I absolutely understand why you did what you did. Like, yeah. they're hard to ride. These like, you know,
1: quirky, tricky, so and it's really hard, isn't it? Like to trust your judgment in the moment. I find it really. i like,
0: you've got seconds. You know, I,
1: yeah not even and like I like you I've ridden so many fucking horses jumped so many tracks and I still don't always have the courage of my convictions when I should yeah and so like with a horse like her like what the fuck I put it in a leather snaffle and suddenly I've got all this canter that I can work with and because the horse likes the bit it's not shitting the bed and trying to run off with me in between and it's calm and it's having a great time and then I ride it more forward and it comes back to me more but something has to give you can't with a horse like that Something has to give to get to that, like because yeah. I've been trying for a year to kind of get her to go. You can counter forward and balance without plowing onto your forehand yeah. and not need to run away. And she's been like, "Yeah, whatever, running away is cool." And you taught me to anyway, so get stuff loser. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's just. So I don't know if it'll last. I found um, this super cool bit shop in France that make leather bits with different cheeks on them. Okay. And I put her in. Put her in. I bought a two ring. Yeah. But the leather mouthpiece is a little bit thinner. Than the snaffle she has Mm. and i put her in the two ring today and i started riding her and she was all right but she was a bit like just a bit crap Mm. so i went back up and i put her back in the snaffle and she was like yay i love this who the fuck am i to argue
0: yeah that's the thing just nod and agree
1: so the combination bind is great though she's really good in that too okay like i've got or much more rhythm in the canter and I re- I can really keep the leg on off the turn which is really nice because when I keep the leg off the turn I don't stuff up the distance so you know yay go me so I'm trying to get her out this Saturday and I'm going to bring both bridles with me, jump to your yeah. class see what see. happens um, yeah. Molly, god that was really long winded wasn't it? No. You can tell I've got no friends to talk to horses about
0: <laughs> I'm like the same though like I would stop someone in the street <laughs> to talk about horses
1: <laughs> yeah I, I just like there's no one else I can tell all this stuff too so I'm like I forget that it's you plus however many listeners. They're probably like, oh, God, shut up, Krista. (laughs) I'm the same. (laughs) Um, And then Molly, who is much more straightforward and makes counter distances easily without ever rushing or feeling any need to do anything other than just fucking canter over the poles in her lovely bendy snaffle and her nice, loose, plain nose bang. (laughs) Um, Molly is a joy and a half. Um, I've taken her to, like, a few, like, I've taken her away schooling with another horse and I'd taken her to stand at a collecting ring and look at a show going on and then a couple two weeks just after the last podcast I took her to a show yeah showed her the collecting ring about and I just did everything very slowly led around in hand first and then got on her and then walked around the car parks and by the time I'd finished after about an hour of bollocksing about the place I was riding on the collecting ring with other horses and she was super and I, I just she, and then she just stood in the trailer she's at the hay and she's just so nice and easy yeah, and just normal normal so I took yeah. her to the address I show four-year-old qualifier the weekend after I swear to god Katie never in my fucking life ever before ever have I had this I warmed her up and I I was I factored in loads of time because I I'm it's I'm a bit my little pony with my like to leave them round in hand for a little while first and I'm just get used to it before I get on them yeah and we've did all that but she was so calm <sighs> so I just was like it it meant I got on sooner than I thought I was going to so I got on and we did some trotting and cantering and general bollocksing about and there's all the people in their giant warm bloods and the <sighs> snot and the fucking flicky toes and she's like oh yeah didn't mind at all and then I thought I'd give her a rest so I just stopped she just stopped and then she cocked a hind leg and she dozed off in the middle of the dressage warm up my god like that's not if that's not a lottery win of a horse it was. <laughs> I've never had this before I've never had this she was just like that's fine I'll just have a nap and I'm like, are you okay? Are you policky? She's like, no, I'm, I'm really fine. I'm just going to have a nap. That's um, an absolute
0: dream. What a legend she is.
1: Amazing. Oh, my God. Then so she so pleased in, for you. So she did a warm-up class just to get her in the ring. She was a little bit freaked out by the clubhouse because it's right next to one of the arenas. And she had a bit of a, like, what the fuck is that hanging baskets and signs? But I just, just, like, with Molly, if she needs to see something, you just need to let her. Yeah. If you start booting and shoving and yeah. pushing in that moment, then she freaks out.
0: Yeah. But if like you just Mammy. let her
1: look. Yeah, exactly. Then she's just like, oh, it's fine now. I can do it. And yeah. that's it. Then that's the end of the conversation about the, the thing. So she went in and to my great surprise, there's like eight, seven or eight other horses in the class. It was not a particularly frantic show, but it was a fancy show. Like it's a yeah. horse sport Ireland show. And she won the warm up class. Oh, my God. I was like, yeah, she's. She, she won it on 70% and it was quite green. Obviously, understandably, a green test. So I was a bit like, not expecting that. I thought she'd come last, but what did I care? Her attitude was so yeah. great. Anyway, then she went in front of a different judge in the four-year-old qualifier. And there was me like for once thinking to myself, oh yeah, this horse is awesome. She's like got a really good chance of doing well. Yeah, came last. The judge ah. fucking crucified her and me as well. Absolutely crucified her. And that's what I hate about dressage, because the two judges were list one. They were both list one judges, and one of them marks you really well, and the other one destroys you. Yeah. How do you know? Am I good or shit? How do you go the right way or the wrong way? Yeah,
0: work on that. You're either like absolutely on the right path, or you couldn't be more on the wrong one. Exactly. And because
1: yeah, you know what? That's the reason why a lot of the time I just peg sheets into the bin. I really do. I if i have a real query like fair enough go up and ask the judge or whatever but honestly i really think you have to know where you're at yourself with your horse you have to work with your coach yeah. take on board what the judges say but if you get crucified and you don't feel like it was warranted not necessarily feeble for, for the horse yeah. or if you get a really good mark and you don't necessarily think that that was yeah quite where it was 100%. at either you know i don't hang too much weight on what a dresser's judge says in a test. That's no disrespect to a dresser's judge, but you know where you, are your, where you are in your journey. They only see, it's like a photograph for them. They only see yeah. this minute. So it doesn't mean that there's a, a thing wrong with what you're doing or what they're saying. Yeah, But sometimes it's it, it can be good not to get too hung up on it.
0: It's kind of like, so when I had like one of the rounds, I had eight faults, I came out on pan and Carla and Ben, bless them, were braced by the side of the arena because I'm so, so critical. Um, and I came out and I was smiling and I said, that was a really good round. I'm happy with that. I enjoyed myself. And Carla yeah. was like, Jesus, like you could have knocked her down with a feather. She was like, I don't know I've ever heard you say that before. And I, I said, no, like, you know, I know why he had the poles, but he was rideable. He was in a rhythm. He listened, yeah. you know. I'm happy, like that's fine. They were like, "Who yeah, are and you and what have you done with Katie?" It's,
1: but sometimes it's, that's
0: it's what you that, feel, is
1: Overall, yeah, it's. I've been having a really hard time with jumping shows at the minute, and I listened to a webinar last night with a girl called Poppy Blanford, who's a performance coach. She's she's excellent. I I went to one of her presentations before, and I was listening to it last night because I've been trying to get to the bottom of why I'm having such issues with nerves and confidence going jumping when nothing has gone wrong but I'm really struggling with that and um you know a lot of her her talk last night was around growth mindset and fixed mindset and how you know where I have worked really hard to have a growth mindset I have slipped quite a bit and I can see why I'm quite fixed mindset about stuff whereas you're the other way around like you've gone from holy shit and a lot hanging on it to going wow the positives were so fucking super i'm really excited and happy going forward with this so yeah you know it's quite it, it's it's so much better long term for you to have that approach yeah
0: and even you know, i can come out of a finding round everything on a bad day well actually i did come out of a double clear with manny and said that was shit he didn't listen to me the whole way around he did his own thing yeah like it was a, it was the luckiest clear yeah
1: i'm this I am a bit the same as you though. I if they knock down fucking 14 fences, I don't care if they ride well and do their best. Yeah. Because keeping fences up is honestly quite a straightforward thing in the end. Once the rest of it is is going well, I think yeah. the, the clears will comp. But like if you're getting clear rounds because the horse is talented, but it's riding like an absolute swinging gait, then it's there's no joy in that.
0: Yeah, I totally agree.
1: So yeah, Molly's having a break now. I got some photos of her from the show actually, and she was enormously croup high, which obviously because you know I look at the horse every day. Yeah. I think I would have noticed. You
0: put the pictures on social media, didn't, didn't you? Yeah. yeah.
1: So she's she's going to have a break now. I, I could have kept going for the final because she's got one qualification for the final now. and I could have kept going and I just went, no, fuck it. If she's that group high, she needs to grow. And I could ask no more from her. She went jumping in between times, her first time away from home. I was by myself because, you know, my life, <laughs> um, thinking I hope I don't die and Katie shoved everything every single filler pricked the logs down to it didn't matter what it was rainbows water trays she was just like yep got it yep cool oh god, she's gonna so, be
0: such a good horse you
1: Rita is on the go now as well and Rita's just absolutely delightful
0: she's, she's so just, cool
1: oh my god she's the best crack ever I, <laughs> I just I I'm like reliving my pony club days I'm like you with Ohio I'm yeah. like really reliving my pony club days. she's the most straightforward little horse she's just like yeah cool it's fine
0: okay so all good pretty yeah. So shall we move on to I'll quickly read the message we got a message from Sarah Spice who said she was wondering if we could cover how we deal with youngsters unhandled horses your best tricks and tips into turning them into nice people Um, she has got a yearling who she absolutely adores um, but was totally unhandled. You can catch her. She leads reasonably nicely. She's tried putting her in a stable, but she's finding that it does stress her out a bit. She's torn between persevering um, and doing a little bit each day, building it up or shoving her out for the winter and starting again next year. Um, But she's worried because she's already standing at 14.3 and she doesn't want to have a gigantic, unruly two-year-old she can't deal with. So we had been talking about doing a young horse episode. We've touched on like ridden young horses and what we do with like that, but we've never kind of done um, a one of the younger ones again. And I'll be totally honest. Like I said to Krista, this wouldn't be probably my strongest point. Like I would have had experience of like a handful of horses at that stage. Um, So it's probably mostly going to be Krista. And I have spoken to Carla and asked asked what she thought so i can kind of throw her ideas in which are basically the polar opposite to mine (laughs) so yeah what do you think krista what would you do
1: um so we have both bred foals and produced them um and bought in unbroken three-year-olds so we've kind of had both sides of it yeah um if you're if you're if you're foaling your own We'd always get a head collar on them, a slip on them pretty well the minute they're on the ground. And as soon as, you know, within the first couple of weeks, as soon as is appropriate, we try and get the foals used to being led, teach them to lead really early. They're only little and they can't yeah. sort of make too much fuss. And also, you know, obviously you use the mayor to your advantage. They'll follow them there and then it just becomes very normal for them. Yeah. Um, and we'd handle their feet even, even at that stage. Can we start trimming them at six weeks? Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things just become an integral part of their life without them really sort of fussing about it or being a problem. Um, that's an important one for lucky, like, that's an important one for us. We' handle them quite a bit. Up until weaning, just what that lady was saying about the yearling not wanting to go into the stable, separation anxiety is can be the undoing of a lot of horses. Um, and I always try and keep an eye on the long goal with, the, with a very baby horse. You know, you're, you're, there's the whole nature nurture debate with them. And I think that you can very easily set a horse up for, you know, difficulties with the attitude. Not saying a horse has a bad attitude, but you may not necessarily make it possible for the horse to fully develop the kind of attitude you want if it's continuously being put in situations as a young horse that stress it
0: it doesn't Mm -hmm.
1: it's not a conducive environment for the horse being very laid back um so like at weaning we would always have weaned the foals with a pony just a quiet ancient old half dead thing Mm -hmm. or another foal but overall we would have found a pony better because other foals like two foals together it's like two teenage lads on the beer you know i mean they can just everyone makes a bad decision and everyone joins in yeah whereas with an old kind of half-fucked pony it's like just eats the grass yeah
0: um
1: yeah just constantly thinking of ways that long term you can promote the best opportunity for them to remain calm and to understand at every turn what's what's going on and what's expected of them so like just loads of handling the feet you can start brushing folds with a soft brush quite you know quite early we would do that yeah sometimes get rugs on them in the winter and then when it comes to, to weaning, make sure that like don't put it on its like it freaks them out. You think about it yourself. Like if you took your young child and shut yeah. it in a darkened room and were like, Mummy's off to Tesco's now. <laughs> like it's not fair. They can't yeah. do it. They're not meant to do
0: it. I think you're probably you sound like very much like what we would do. So probably there we would maybe have it with a, a little pony, like you say, a little friend, and maybe we put it in this in a big stable. To with the pony the first few times and then maybe we tie the pony outside the box and then maybe put the pony in like that's kind of our method of dealing we haven't had that specific problem but that would be probably because that would be what we would do we would micro step every yeah, exactly. single thing and preempt what is it likely to not like So like, say the issue with Mint trying to come over the door, it was like, okay, so probably, obviously this is just me being like you, um, where we overthink what our horses are thinking. (laughs) Um, So he's on the end. So he maybe feels more vulnerable that he's only got one horse. And if that horse moves, he's then very much on his own. So, okay, if we put him in... A stable where he's joined by a horse on each side he's less dependent already on bougie and if we remove bougie who he goes in the field with as one of his two he's kind of then learning it's not bougie that gives him security it's like yeah. other other horses can do that for him as well but those oh, horses exciting. had to be very calm horses because otherwise if they made him feel threatened in the stable then he's gonna hate the stable and feel stressed
1: I, and I, I don't I don't think it is overthinking it like some people prefer the foal throw it out in the field and when it's three you know run it in with a whole big bunch put it in a stable by itself let it screech and sweat and get it out of its system and I'm not here to say that that's wrong people do what they want to do and what works for them big projection yards that have got 53 year olds every year they don't necessarily have time to intensively handle every single one so I'm not you know I'm not criticizing anyone or saying this should be done this way or should be done that way you can have the perfect system but you never have the perfect horse because we've seen it with them where like we've handled them really intensively and you know one horse in particular like that we bred and he was very well handled and he was a foal and calm yearling and there was no big deal with him he was pretty easy to break and uh thing was he was an awful spoiled fucker like mum had made a bit of a pet of him and um he's quite an attitude now when he came to work so he'd been very intensively handled but it had nearly gone he'd gone too far you know what i mean like he was nearly too too much of a pet and too spoiled and he he was problematic with his work not because he didn't want to he went up to four star level of In the end, obviously, not with me um, in America. But he had a really, I go and make me. Like, why should I? Why should I? You know, I'm a pet and I'm lovely and pretty. And why should I? Attitude. um, Equally, seeing with Molly and Rita, Molly's attitude and temperament is her biggest asset. And is the reason why she was not horrendously traumatized coming here. Because she'd always been quite amenable, obviously. And whatever the fuck happened to them, she was... A regime reasonably down for whatever because she didn't have much of an issue when she came, whereas Rita was absolutely petrified. She was completely wild, not halted, neither of them halter broken. Um, but Rita was frightened because any interactions with her had been bad, had been <clears> real bad, and she'd fought and she'd been scared and she had been quite badly treated. And so they're two horses that have had fold fucked off into the ether, yeah. wrestled back in at three, and sure, I couldn't have two more amenable, pleasant, willing, generous horses. So you can kind of have one theory and you can work to that theory. But like, as I said, not every horse will fit the theory.
0: Um, I, and I also so think it's just... it's what works for you as well. So yeah. like, so I basically, I rang Carla and said, you know, this is the episode we're going to do. This wouldn't be my strong point. Like what, what's your take on it? I don't want to kind of ramble totally uneducated. And obviously her gig is like, she produces horses. So, um, She started to tell me all stuff. And I said, you're basically saying everything that is the opposite of how I keep mine. (laughs) And she said, I know. So she was like, don't fucking keep it in in the stable. Get it out. Get it with a herd of young horses. Don't rug it. Just rough it off. Let it be a horse. Like if it goes out with like a really dominant horse and it gets a bit of a hiding, it'll learn to deal with it. Like it needs to learn its place It needs to learn to not be like, you know, too above its station. It needs a good work ethic. And that starts by being put in place by other horses. Its first thing is it has to be a horse. Don't handle it. They just get bargy and rude and they get a bad attitude. And um, the worst thing you can do is like mollycoddle them. Well, obviously, bougie got rugged as soon as he came. Um, he went a bit footy before he went away to be broken. He had a set of fronts put on him. He lives in at night all year round. But, and I, I mean, Carla turns out incredible horses time and time and time and time again. So look, you know, I can't say that she's not doing it right. But equally, if she gets in a big, larry 16, 2, 3-year-old, she's game for handling that i'm actually not like yeah
1: my 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 real good like my like one in a lifetime horse he who is a very funny horse he it was very like bougie he just was god's gift and that was it it wasn't even he thought he was just was Mm. that's it and he had this incredible attitude pretty well from the minute he hit the ground um and i I backed him at two because he was such a dickhead. I'm really sorry. He was terrible. Like he was just terrible. He was just horrendous. He had to be gelded at eight months old because he was so promiscuous. He was just <laughs> awful. <laughs> he weaned himself. I, I, I'd I gone off for a hack on a horse and I, he wasn't six months old. And his mother was in the lovely paddock. And then on the far side of a strand of wire, like electric fence wire, and then a dry stone wall a quite high dry stone wall with wire on top of that and then another electric fence on the far side the point being the, the wall wasn't safe so there was electric <laughs> fencing on both sides to keep the horses back jumped the whole fucking lot and I came back from the hack and I was like where's the foal the foal was grazing quite contentedly in the middle of yeah five I didn't need her horses.
0: she was to be honest she was cramping my yeah. style
1: yeah and he was he was always like that he yeah. always just had this really big ass would and I backed him at two. Like, I didn't murder him. Like, I just yeah. long reigned him for quite a while. Didn't really lunge a whole lot because I think if you can get them, like, if you get the principle of a circle, you don't need to drill the heads off them on the lunge. It can be quite beneficial with those ones that are quite intelligent, and quite naughty. Not naughty as in bad, but naughty as in, you know, too much going on in their heads. Yeah. Get them out on the long lines. Just walk. Just walk them around the fields. Walk them up and down the lanes. Just give them something to think about nice soft bit nice soft roller and just get them used to it there's nothing wrong with it it's not gonna suit every horse it's not right for every horse some horses physically can't take it lots of horses mentally can't take it nor do they need it but if you've got like a a bulgy fucker Mm -hmm. you know and I sat on him as well I backed him and sat on him and he didn't give a shit about any of that (laughs) um but when I came back for him as a three-year-old then to, to get him going to break him properly uh it, it was no, no 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 drama he just was yeah. like oh it's this again so I I don't think that's wrong I just lots of people don't agree with it but I think you know for every every rule there's a horse that will disprove it yeah it's
0: it is hard it's like I, I can't disagree with what she said and she was like the worst horses I have ever have like get sent in to me are homebreds hand reareds, the pets she was like because they think that they have like they have no respect they think that they're like almost the humans are in their herd and they're higher in the herd yeah Um, and she was like you know they're a nightmare they're an absolute nightmare Um, it's
1: actually quite hard on those horses too though because when you put the foot down and you're like no this is the boundary yeah it's quite hard for them to understand it like you're not doing them any favors by like I said, I, I don't have a herd and I don't have the kind of nerves that allow me to put a young horse in a herd.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't. Same. Equally, I,
1: I completely get it. I'm all for it, but it's not how I do it. But equally, a spoiled horse is probably going to be worse for them yeah. than a
0: wild And that's horse. like she was saying to me, you know, you need to get it out, get them out. Like with something that'll keep them in line. And I said, no. But like for me, the little ponies do a good enough job. Like the, yeah, the yeah, they're not yeah. unruly. And actually, look, it hasn't worked out. And I've had to put the two of them out together. And they they're both quite friendly. So they're more just play fight. Like but <laughs> I'd rather they didn't. It's not good for my nerves, but it is what it is. Um, better that than him jump every fence. But I think that there's a fine line and I absolutely see why she does what she does. And I definitely can see the plus in that. I don't see anything wrong with it, but equally I don't think that just because I have bougie in and rug him up and stuff.
1: It's, de- it's, t- it's detriment. Yeah. No, exactly. It's that he
0: has to be like this spoiled pampered brat. Who's going to be horrible <laughs> to break because if he steps out of line, like I'm hard on him because he's going to be very big and he's, he's fit yeah and he he thinks he's god's gift um and actually ben gave me ben's really good like he gave me a bit of a checkup the other day because i was putting mint's head collar on and he itches as you put it on every time you go to do the buckle he sort of itches on you but his itch is kind of a little bit rude really it's like it's too much basically knocking me out of the way and ben said slap it on the nose yeah and yeah, I said like yeah, exactly I said oh he's just itching like he's only a baby he's only been here a few days and Ben was like slap it, it on the it? nose
1: yeah where's it gonna go like what exactly are what are you teaching it e- either whatever you choose to do what what's the long-term yeah. outcome here you know what and I mean? he
0: was dead right because what am I gonna do next week slap it on the nose for doing it it's gonna bool me straight over when I go and try and put a head collar on it like but,
1: but then it doesn't understand exactly do you well know exactly I, mean? I did exactly. it all last week yeah yes. what's your part and then that's that's what undoes some horses I think that it brings them insecurity because like one minute everything's fine and the next yeah. minute the goalposts have moved. They can't understand that. You have to set it up in a way that makes sense to them. Like I find the majority of horses you know if it's one thing that fucking kills you with facebook is all the people are like oh my horse is being really naughty and it's not pain related and he's just very badly behaved and how do we fix it and i'm like you know what? there are very few horses on this earth who are genuinely bad bastards yeah there are a lot of horses who are really fucking confused yeah. when you look at the the natural herd psychology of a horse you know where he needs boundaries they're a herd animal they need to understand where the lines in the sand are that they can stay within those lines need to stay the same for a horse to be confident and consistent in its life and 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 you're home and hose then. It's no problem. Where insecurities and bad behavior come in a lot of the time that are not related to physical problems are when the boundaries keep changing and the horse has no ability whatsoever to understand what's expected of him, what is okay and what isn't okay. And then they become insecure. And when they become insecure, they can't look to you as a leader because you're too inconsistent. So they have to turn it towards themselves. They become the leader. And then you'll get naughtiness, resistance, and bad behavior. It's still not badness. It's yeah. confusion and a lack of consistency. You know, you have to look at it. You know how they see it, not how you want it to be, and make it up to as you go along. And I think there's a million different ways to grow a horse and produce a horse. None of them are wrong, as yeah. long as the horse understands. And I and think as long it as it
0: as long as it there's it's being done for a reason. Like yeah, you know. So for me. I make sure with Bougie, we got him as a two-year-old. And like, so straight away, I'm going to handle his legs. I'm going to pick his legs up because obviously they're pretty much feral. And they've just run in a field and they've come over here, gone into the field and then they go into the barns in like groups of five at Jake's. Okay. So we're going to lead him out. We're going to, you know, handle his feet. We're going to put a rug on him. We're going to shake bags near him. We're going to do all those things because, to me rather do it when he's smaller and weaker than when he's big and larry because I'm not Carl I'm not a pro and I want to set him and me up to succeed and I think it's yeah. personally I think it's fairer to do it very very slowly so the other day Puji was standing eating haynet and I was like clashing like metal things together and shaking a bag <laughs> Because I think that's, like, something that he's on his holiday. He can just do a bit of that, you know?
1: Absorb it, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, And all the other horses are standing in the stables, like, not reacting to that. And he's seeing, well, nobody else is really that arsed by it. So
1: one thing that I wouldn't mind giving a bit of air to is there is an attitude for sure with young horses going to shows, young horses starting to hack that kind of thing where... You get on with it where you know you just shove the horse into the worst possible case scenario mm-hmm. if he reacts with any fear you put the leg on and the boot in and you say come on come on and get on with it again you do what you want to do I'm not here to fucking tell people that their approach is right or wrong that's not my business but over the last couple of years I was always sort of bought up with that philosophy as well um and it's not always the most successful, but as I began to really get very interested in horse psychology and sort of how they're seeing and how they're learning, and I was lucky enough to come across a couple of people who had a different approach to me and which was better. One of the things I started doing with young horses was a lady I used to know. She took her young horse to shows in hand, yeah. And the first time I saw her doing it, I was like, oh, fuck's sake, like fucking wimpy riders just get on and ride the horse." And she was like, "But like, give the horse a chance. Let him see the environment and the atmosphere." under his own steam, like, and then introduce it in steps. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what, actually that's really sensible. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And so then you start thinking about, you know, how it is for them. So for a horse, you know, his most, they, they tell you that a horse's most vulnerable area is his underneath, which is bollocks. A horse's most vulnerable area is his back. When you're sitting, so that's his most, that's the area that, you know, a saber tooth tiger or something chasing him, a lion on the Serengeti is going to jump onto his back. They're not going to disembowel him because they'd get kicked to shit, get there. They're going to jump onto his back to try and bring him down. So that's the horse's most vulnerable place. Add to that then that when you are sitting on the horse, he can see you. Yes, he can turn his head left and right and pick up some of you, but he cannot see behind himself. So he's already It's quite miraculous that we're able to train these animals who are so hardwired for fight or flight to let us sit in their most vulnerable place where they also can't see us. On top of that, then you say you're hacking a horse and it comes across something that's frightening and it's a young horse and it's, you know, you're sitting on that horse's back in his most vulnerable place. And he goes, what the fuck is that? And he jams on. If you think about it from his perspective, you're his leader, if you like. But when you're riding him, his head is in front of your head. Yeah. He's the one who has to go. He has no one to follow. He has to go because you say so. Yeah. So if you start on the ground... He has something to follow that he can take confidence from. And and as an extension of that, I've had a situation recently with Molly where our next door neighbor moved some stones, which I'm sure some people know stones are terrifying to horses at times. And the man had moved the stones and I was hacking along on Molly and Molly absolutely fucking freaked out But because Molly just stood still like freaking. Not like every other horse I have that was like five parishes away. She locked up completely, but wouldn't move. And nothing could convince her to move. She was just panicking, heart thumping. (laughs) So I got off her in a move that I previously would have thought was a bit, you know, pansy-ish. And she got to follow her leader past the thing that was scary. And then once we were used to the thing that was scary, the leader got back on her back. And now she's in front of me, but because she's had the experience of following me and understanding that it's okay, she's taken a little bit of more confidence. So when I say on her back, No, it's fine. We've got this. We can do it. Don't worry. I'm here. We can go. Well, now she's learned that that's a concept to be expanded upon rather than an impossibility. So it's it's only a small thing, but it's a really big thing. I had it with Rita yesterday. He parked his car down the end of the lane and Rita saw the car there for the first time. Same thing. Absolutely freaked out, lost her mind, jumped off, walked up, let her see the car, got back on, walked up to the car. It's just... You know, we tend to think that if they jam on that we, you know, they must go because we say so. Yeah. Well, how about they are shown that they can go when we ask them to?
0: Yeah, I think that's that is a really, really relevant point, because I think there's definitely I would say it's more of a modern thing. Like, I think people gave more time to producing horses, like, say, when I first started riding. Um, and they would lead their horses out. You know, if they were bringing on a young horse, that horse would have maybe done a season in hand and then it would have maybe done a season going and doing dressage. And then it would have done like, you know, and that's not the case now. Like horses go out and they're jumping at four, like straight in fillers, the whole shebang. Um, and I'm, like I say, I've, I've we've spoken about this on the podcast before about young horse classes. And like, I can see definitely more both sides than I used to be able to but I do think that especially for like an amateur then set yourself up to not be fucking shit scared yourself because like if you're thinking I've got to get on this horse take it to a fucking show ride it in a collecting ring with 10 million other horses I'm going to get leveled you're shitting a brick, so you're not going to be helping the horse as well because you know you're kind of asking something that's a fairly big ask. Whereas if you're kind of like, oh, I'm going to this show and I'm doing it in hand class, you're probably not gonna be shitting a brick. And then like, okay, well, he was so good the last twice I did that. So I'm gonna just go and ride around the collecting room walk. And like, if you do that, then you're feeling better. And that's like, as much as anything else, that's a huge part of it, isn't it? Because, and also I think, don't be afraid to like have a, a professional that you trust who really helps with the young, like with your young horse. And whether that be that you say to them, can you just take it and ride it in the collecting ring when you're at a show? Yeah. Because I'm really nervous and it's better it has a good first experience than me go 100%. absolutely like nervous Nora. And um, I'll be there when it needs you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's the thing. It's like f- the way I think I want to produce my young ones is. I'm happy to go slow. I'm gonna put all the tiny little steps in as much as I can. But when like I ask something of them, by hook or by crook, that is gonna happen. Whether that be I'm gonna get off and walk past it, or whatever, but they are going past it that day. Like that's something. So today we had funny enough for this like for this episode. I got back and the girl who helps with my horses said that mint was refusing to leave his stable. We haven't had any trouble with him since he's come. And then apparently that had upset Bougie and Bougie had snapped his rope and it was a bit of a shit show. And I like went into the stable and led Mint out and got Bougie and led Bougie out. And like I said, you're going to have to kind of be a little bit the boss here because if you're not, he's going to be.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is it.
0: And that doesn't mean that I wanted to square him up or whatever, like but she hasn't had young horses before and they're big horses and that's not me being like hard it's just that if these horses are allowed to run away with us now yeah. it's it, it's only going to go one way
1: it is and again you're making it harder for the horse in the long term yeah. one thing i would be careful what you're teaching a horse so like in a situation like that with a horse that's you know the snapping like or sorry is perceived to be like as i said molly with the stones horse you you could have been like oh napping oh it will go because i tell it to you right that's fine nothing wrong with that psychology if that's what you're about it's just you start getting stuck into that horse and booting it and hunting it and yarring and all the all and and the horse hasn't still doesn't have the confidence to go and have a look at the thing and now it's starting to create and 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 throw back some energy at you because if you go out a horse it's going to come back at you sooner or later And then it's going to want to get further away from the thing because it's worried and now it's got no leisure and it doesn't trust you enough to have a go and it's not experienced enough to have a go. And now you're kicking the crap out of it and hunting it and waving sticks around or whatever. First thing is you're confirming to that horse that it is right to be completely fucking freaking out about the stones. But the second thing is is all of the negative energy you create is going to take the horse further away from the thing that it's saying it can't cope with. And you're going to teach that horse very quickly But when it runs into trouble or it's run out of experience to deal with the problem, you're teaching it to run away. You're teaching it to nap. You're teaching it to spin around. You're teaching it to get really annoyed with you because you're not listening and it will fuck off with you. And before you know what's happening, you've got a horse that's nappy and you created that, you know, by not just going, you know, what? Okay, fair enough. What's the problem? I'll just go off and let you see the thing no problem the next time you go and do the thing it's fine you can teach a horse to nap 100 fucking percent you can teach a horse the wrong thing as fast as you can teach it the right thing and then the next thing it is it's all over the internet oh my horse is napping what can i do why is he napping like is he napping because he's in pain if he's not napping because he's in pain is he napping because someone fucking taught him to essentially because they thought they were fixing a problem but in thinking they're fixing it they're creating a bigger one um my other big bugbear with young horses, do not put a bit in a horse's mouth unless you have taken the fucking wolf teeth out of it. The contact issues that this crap sets up, it's, it's lifelong. It is lifelong. Like you just do it right from the beginning. You know, when you start to get a horse used to wearing a bit, use a nice soft bit, make sure the wolf teeth are out, make sure the mouth is as comfortable as it can be for what you're asking the horse to do. Because as I said, you can set up lifelong issues in the mouth.
0: My thing as well is like praise for them. So like... Oh, loads of it, yeah. Like I've watched people deal with a young horse and I think, okay, so that wasn't a very big thing in the grand scheme of things. You know, it led to the field nicely. But for that young horse, that was a big thing. Like make a fuss of it. Like, yeah. you know, tell it, well done. Like that was really nice. Like,
1: Positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah like... Massive
0: not treats and stuff like that but just like let it know that there's a point in behaving well like it really pisses me off when people don't do that with them
1: yeah yeah um I agree and sure I've actually got
0: I've got a funny a funny story kind of on the theme so Mint after he nearly brained himself on the stable door decided that it was the stable door's fault obviously wouldn't be his and so he didn't like that stable so he was quite happy to go into somebody else's stable but his own stable he didn't really trust the door so I had the two of them and like you know sometimes when you just think that horse I swear to god it's a person like it fucking understands so I had bougie and I stood for like a minute with mint like it's It was you, like, you did it to the door. The door didn't do it to you. Like, you are fine. And Bougie just kind of went, look, I'll tell you what. I'll just walk in front and I'll walk into the stable. So Bougie just walked in the stable, Mint followed him. Bougie just walked back out and was kind of, like, looked at me like, done. Can I go to bed now? (laughs) And I was like, I thought, like, he knew. Do you know what He just like sized that situation and was like, look, let's just fix it. Okay, let's just... I'll, I'll just deal with this for you. Yeah. You seem to be struggling. You can't horse like I can horse. I'll just get him in. But like, actually, yeah, that was... Mint just needed a little bit of reassurance. Like, he's a really good boy, but he had just nearly knocked himself unconscious on the door. So he was obviously questioning whether he wanted to go back in. Yeah. And, like, so it was nice for another horse, but, like, what's the harm in another horse showing him? None. It's fine.
1: None. Yeah, absolutely none. Like, whatever you need to do. Whatever you need to do. Like, I had this earlier, we have... Um, it's a bit different here than it is in the UK. So, like, you have your fireworks on the 5th. Mm-hmm. We have ours on Halloween, because I'm not getting into a political, historical debate, but we don't have Guy Fawkes Night here. Um, so, on Halloween is our fireworks even though they're illegal in the south but that doesn't mean a lot to us down here in the republic (laughs) (laughs) it's illegal so what about it (laughs) um so the fireworks can on depending on the year and obviously with covid and everything you know last year was a bit quiet so this year it was like fucking baghdad it was Mm. our farm is on the outskirts of town so like it's close enough to the town that the fireworks feel like they're in the garden. It's always very interesting with the horses. So I know that bear obviously the noise sensitivity is just a no. Yeah. Ping couldn't give less of a fuck. She's just like, whatever. <laughs> but since I cut the giant hole in the wall between Bear and Ping, in that scenario where Bear's like, shit chit, 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 chit because she can stick her head through. Yeah. To Ping, he's like, whatever. Like they're not as pretty as me. <laughs> I put earplugs in Bear, and then she parks herself next to Ping, and she can cope. Whereas she didn't used to be able to cope when she was in there by herself and could had no comfort from the horse. And then same Molly and Rita are really interesting. So Molly is only four, and she's quite she was nervous of the fireworks. But what, again, with what Molly tends to do when something is a challenge for her is she parks herself and she puts the handbrake on and that's it. And so the fireworks started and poor Rita is quite noise sensitive and she's so scared. She was really genuinely scared. She's only recently been okay about her ears. And I just it was the wrong environment to be trying to put earplugs in, to be honest, for the first time. So she was running around and running around she was trembling and sweating and shaking and I just couldn't do a whole lot about it. It's very hard to sedate them before the fireworks because then if it pisses rain, there's none and now your horse is doped and it's, you know what I mean? It's hard to kind of, so I stood with her for a while and I petted her and I stroked her and she takes quite a lot of comfort, I suppose, from me because I was the first person that was nice to her when she came here. But once she'd had that bit of petting and comforting and Molly had just remained parked the entire time, (laughs) dad was happening Rita then kind of went oh okay and she went and she stood in behind Molly between Molly and a wall until the fireworks stopped and was calm so it the influence of a quieter horse or an older horse or you know a horse that's got it shit together like bougie can't be underestimated
0: yeah like I think it's just that it's re- we're in a really difficult thing I think with like if you do things slowly like you're a wimp or if you don't go at everything like gung-ho and like you're a soft yeah Yeah. and like I I just don't necessarily think that picking a fight for the sake of picking a fight to prove you can
1: yeah all all day long yeah
0: like I just don't think it needs to be like that personally and I think also if you're gonna pick a fight Mm. especially with like a big fit horse then you're gonna have to be a pretty good rider and a pretty decent handler to be able to cope with that.
1: Yeah. But as I said, if you pick a fight, you cause a fight, teach yeah. it to fight, and now you're going to fight. So, you know, be careful what you pick. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to put a boundary in place. 100%. You do. But just if you can keep one eye on the longer goal and the bigger picture all the time, make sure the horse understands every turn, you know, you probably won't go too far wrong.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree. So I think if I had one that I, because I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with them running out, you know, in a in a herd or whatever. But even if I did that, I think I would be going up every night and I would be sticking a head collar and lead rope, leading it out the field, and you know, maybe picking its feet the odd time or shaking a bag near it. I just. I'll be. I did have my thing, sort of where I'm a little bit like Carla. Maybe I don't have a huge amount of experience with young horses, but in my last set of sort of horses for myself, um, I had a one that I bred and I had a one that I bought at six months old, and I maybe felt that I had made, especially the homebred, maybe a little bit numb at times. I'd almost like desensitized her so much with things like fillers and water trays that she was just, I'd maybe lost a little bit of the kind of sharp reactiveness that I would have wanted from her as a competition horse. So I've learned from that and probably I won't do that with like Bougie and Mint. So I'll do a lot of like de spooking, but probably not over egg it with the. The jumping
1: yeah, stuff. But I do find it can help them quite a lot if you're getting them used to lunging down over a place pole to a cross pole, that kind of stuff. Lunging them over fillers, lunging them over gates, you know, just fuck stuff around the sand arena and just teach them where to put their feet and what to do. You don't have to over egg it or, as you say, but then when I go a schooling, it's not every horse, but some of them it's been like dog agility. It's been ridiculous. Like I like have everything kind of really small. And then I'd like wander around and like climb over stuff and then they'd hop over it behind me. And, yeah, you know, like it sounds ridiculous, but I like, honestly to the horse, then it's like, oh, that's cool. And again, we just be in front of them, be their leader. That's what they're used to. They're a herd. Well, it's what they crave. They're a herd animal. You know, and then they when get you're sitting behind
0: them. It's what you want, isn't a it?
1: A lot of the young horse producers here for, the, for event young event horses and stuff, like right? they'll at least jump them a little bit over poles. But what they'll do with the cross-country is they take them out in the lunge and they teach the horses banks, teach the horses water, they teach the horses dishes. They do it all on the lunge at three before they're broken. And I tell yeah. you, it's, it's a good job now. It, again, you don't have to do it too much.
0: Yeah.
1: But they're getting to work it out for themselves. And I think for an event horse in particular, it can yeah. be quite... You're promoting... A confidence and a willingness to have a go and have a look themselves so I think yeah. it just depends
0: so like what I did with mine was and I think that maybe for a lot of horses it would be the right thing it was just to have something where you'd want them a bit sharper probably over fences I bought a load of inflatables that sounds a bit wrong but load <laughs> of like inflatable like palm trees those giant crocodiles nice. um and like tied them to jumps, and like led them over them. Like I jumped them with them, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And made little tunnels with them. So by the end, like these mares were just like there was umbrellas He's on top of the yeah, and that was great. They were you know really really brave, but I think it, especially the homebred, it made a probably a bit just numb and cold yeah. yeah to it um and maybe look maybe she would have been like that anyway but it made me i felt that like i had a little bit been the cause of that
1: it's all trial and error with them too yeah yeah, and i think that's the other thing as well like if you try something if you're not very experienced with young horses you try something or whatever and it doesn't work out well don't don't worry about it you probably haven't ruined it forever unless you've let it out on a motorway or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But you know what I mean. I like don't. Don't be too hard on yourself. Like, horses are amazing, amazing, Like they never cease to amaze me. Their ability to adapt and change, and trust and overcome. Um, you know. So if you're making a mistake, if you make a mistake with them, or if you find something that doesn't suit, or so whatever, go find something else that does suit it. Like, yeah. As long as they understand, and you give them an opportunity to work it out, and to to to, to see that they can do what you're asking
0: yeah and I think if
1: you keep that front and center
0: the main thing like that we I think definitely both agree on is to try and anticipate how they potentially will see what you're asking of them yeah and if you can make that an easier path for both of you then why not
1: absolutely absolutely like again bigger picture try and set yourself up for success as best you can and as you say like it's a half ton animal and the the thing with the horses is they're they're a bit of an, an oddity really because they are born the majority of them with this innate sense and desire to please you to to give you what you want there's very little in it for them. yeah they want to work with you they want to be with you they want to understand and try for you well there's not much fucking reward for them at the end of all of that but there's a lot in it for you Yeah, and they're willing to give you that pretty much for free all they really need is some patience and understanding and to be set up in a way that allows them to give you what they want to give you you know you're not taking it from them they want to give it to you so try and think about setting up their life with you in a way that makes that possible
0: yeah i i definitely agree like i I think that allowing your horse to become a spoiled brat having like a farrier as a husband you know and obviously speaking to Carla and stuff I 100% would never allow that like I think that's the worst thing you can do for a young horse but equally if my horse didn't get quite as far as it could or whatever but we've had a really harmonious happy relationship then I'm gonna go for that one
1: Yeah, absolutely. For me, like now, especially that I'm older, I'm I'm not, obviously, you know, I've had to give up my Olympic dreams, you know, through (laughs) my of my own. (laughs) The connection for me, it's everything.
0: Yeah, same.
1: Um, The connection is everything. It's much more important to me than anything else I do with them.
0: So I hope that that's been interesting and, you know, just that's kind of what we do. Obviously, we've both said that there's there's other ways and there's definitely no right or wrong way and what's right for one person and one horse is not going to be right for another. But um, yeah, that's what we would do. Um, So shall we move on to Wanker of the Week?
1: Yeah, you can go. You go ahead, fair with that one because my Wanker of the Week is a legendarily terrible. So yours is good. so
0: So mine is Ben. He doesn't actually know. Um, so I'll put a picture on our social media Um, we did a little family Halloween uh, trick or treating and I said to Ben shall I paint your face I did him as the joker and we came back after trick or treating and did like some Halloween games we did like ducky apple and so anyway whilst ducky appling he washed a lot of the paint off his face and then Ben is very, very tired at the minute because with half term, he worked some really long days so that he could have like some days where he didn't work to spend some time with Henry and like Seb's been teething. So we've been up. Long story short, he went to bed, intended to get back up, let the dogs out and wash his face, but fell fast asleep, woke up in the morning and didn't look in a mirror just went out to work so basically went to his first job the white paint had washed off playing ducky apple so he just had this like big smile like and apparently his first job they said what's happened have you had some sort of a reaction and ben was like completely confused (laughs) and then realized that he'd gone to work basically just with like a big red lipstick enormous smile on his face
1: that's pretty good that's 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 pretty good like uh, you know I mean cheerful
0: he looked cheerful
1: (laughs) he he definitely must have looked cheerful but um I was thinking like I hope he hasn't got some quaint little old lady with like a shetland pony (laughs) in the garden the first morning like that morning and she was like screeching and freaking out like (laughs)
0: he rang me he was like fuck's sake katie i went to my job with face paint on i was like well why did you do that that was silly (laughs) i'm taking no responsibility for that in fairness i went to the hospital where like the security situation was and i had semi looked in the mirror like i'd glanced and thought "Mm, i should probably wipe my face a bit more and then i think i'd got distracted doing something else. So I still had, I was very glittery and I had like a slightly red mouth from where I'd had blood supposed to be dripping out of my mouth. So, I mean, as a couple, I don't think, basically, we'll just look like a shit show. What else is new?
1: same in our house on fairness except instead of you know faith pains it's like animal excrement (laughs) (laughs) some description um
0: it's a tricky one so what's your wanker of the week
1: oh just my horses my fucking horses but obviously not molly and rita because they're they're nice well no they're all nice but those ones haven't annoyed me this week ping is i don't know what Term to use to describe Ping anymore, like elaborate family pet, <laughs> temporarily retired, reposing. I don't really know whether she'll go back into work or not. Um, but nonetheless, is still living more or less in the manner yeah, the become accustomed. <laughs> yeah, because she can't not have that because depression central and you know self harm. Um, I have paddocks around my sand arena which are very small because that's where bear goes out and we try to keep bear in small paddocks to stop her from daffy docking, which means sometimes she then decides to roll against the fence and get tangled up in that which is super mm. pain goes out on the other side and Molly and Rita have a different paddock that backs onto bear's paddock it's all very fucking complicated and stupid a bit like your situation except <laughs> definitely stupider so I'm like right I need to put out Molly and Rita have been going out at night but now between the fireworks and the weather and the clock change they need to be in at night which means they need to go out during the day which means that at least one of the other horses is going to be able to see different horses during the day and for most other horses like I think people on livery yards are like 60 horses be listening to this and being like what's the fucking problem you just put them in paddocks and they're fine no no so I think I'll start with Ping doesn't especially have a job now. So Ping yeah. goes out with one of the two ponies. And I think well, I'll put Molly and Rita out at the other end of Ping's field where I've saved some grass. Yeah. This this will be fine. That's Molly and Rita I've are done, always yeah. very quiet, very easy. No offense to Ping, but if she pulls a shoe or cuts herself,
0: it doesn't matter it's the much. end of the exactly, world. Yeah.
1: She's not going to, you know, jump in yeah. the Nations Cup final next weekend. Um that's not how it went down ping became so completely overwhelmed by this change and then (laughs) what happens with ping is that rather than being calmed down by the calming presence of other horses she whips previously very calm horses into a complete (laughs) frenzy forevermore (laughs) (laughs) so molly and rita were, were pretty calm i mean like they were pretty calm considering but ping was got like this Lovely pristine feel I had thought I'd preserve for the winter and she's dug it up. It looks like the Royal Artillery have done gun carriage practice through it after this. (laughs) So then I'm like, this isn't fucking working. Now what do I do though? Because now I have to bring Molly and Rita back in and put them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But if I bring them back past Ping, Ping is going to go doubly insane. I'll bring in Ping, but Ping has now whipped them into a frenzy. So then they, who never gallop around, are now galloping around.
0: And you don't want them injured because they're actually because
1: they're nice and they do a job um bear is from this time of year until at least may of next year the winter turnout situation with bear is very complicated and difficult because she's an absolute idiot i'm all for turning horses out and letting them be a horse and wanting them to have downtime and relax i would love somebody to advise me what the actual fuck you do when your horse isn't interested in being a horse do you know what I mean? Like, I yeah. just, what are you meant to do with that? Because you don't want to be, no one wants to keep their horse in full time. Look at what happened to Danny Starwin. Okay. Like, and also <laughs> I don't want to keep them in full time either. Like they should be out. They are meant to be outside sometimes at least. But what do you do when they don't want to go outside? I don't. I just don't know. Um. So there doesn't seem like a likely fucking candidate to put two more horses, you know, yeah. on her side of the farm. But that's what we've had to do. As stupid as she is, she's less stupid than Ping. So, so now Molly and Rita are more or less calm again, but that means they have to hack past the field that they're in. So now every day they have a horse hacking past their field. And they are getting less bothered about it, but they still have to run around. And because Molly's bored, because she's in the holidays and has lots of energy, she has to run up and down and be like, whoa, horse, whoa. <laughs> and I just, I cried, like I said, I had two days of this last week before we have now sort of settled down into our respective paddocks and I'm able to horse for more or less horsely for a few hours a day. Ping has to remain in splendid isolation on her side of the farm with a pony. And then the others are kind of managing. Okay.
0: It's weird. Who like, the I fuck really, has this life? I really yeah. can imagine Ping. Like really vividly, like imagine her like leaping around, like some it's sort of Loch Ness monster. Like yeah, oh yeah, and she's enormous.
1: Yeah, it's like it, exactly she's enormous. So it's and she Peppy Le Pew's. <laughs> like she does the cantering with all four legs together. Like it's ridiculous, just imagine but, like, her like
0: absolutely frantic because two horses happen to have been nearer than they used to be. What the fuck? Honestly, the only thing I can say, she's got Cushing's.
1: And so I try to be like, well, you've got a brain tumor. It's probably why you're like this. Yeah. I just, because I just can't, I can't deal with Why can't they just fuck off and eat the grass? Yeah.
0: Why? And then, why? Like, with you.
1: And it's, it's not like, like I said, you know, when you've got one silly horse, but three can ones, as is the case, or was the case, when I tried putting Molly and Rita on her side, the other three become insane. Yeah. She just has this effect on horses. So it's a little bit like
0: pancake every single morning. We turn Bougie and Mint out, they go and eat grass. We turn Manny and Belle out, they go and eat grass. Turn Tink out, goes and eats grass. Molly, same. Turn pancake out, he goes batshit crazy for the first five minutes. Sends the entire herd batshit crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Like just every morning. That's how it goes.
1: Yeah. I just. I, as I said, I rang Nile, and I was just bawling, crying, yeah. because I had to take Rita to the vets last Thursday. I had to take Rita, and I had put out Bear. Bear had galloped herself into an idiot, yeah. and had sweated, so I had to bring Bear in, and I had to wash her because <laughs> she was in a in a white lather underneath her rugs. So yeah. I had to wash her. Which was fine, but I was—I had a time like, I had time yeah. to do everything and then go to the vets. Until my horses happened to me, so that was fine. We had to wash her, and then because she's clipped, she had to go under the lights and dry, and have to get dry rugs. Fucking blah blah. And I had had the brainwave—I thought of putting Rita out before I went to the vets so that Molly could get some time out. Yeah. But Rita is a pony, and it had rained, and Rita was clipped the day before. And she dug herself what can only be described as a hippo's wallow. Right? <laughs> it was, you know, when they really go for it yes. and the mud is up underneath the rugs. Pandas. It had been pristine. So all I had to do was take off the rugs, brush out the yeah. tail and go. I had to bring Rita in and I had to bat her to get the mud off because I will not go to the vets with a mucky horse. No. I just I just won't. And... By the time I had finished everything, I couldn't cope. I was so overwhelmed. Ping was also in a white lather. (laughs) As I said, I rang, I cried. I cried. I went, I can't do this with my life. I would have done the same. Anymore. I need to pick something different. I feel like I'm enabling this stupidity and I don't even know how I got to here. (laughs) I don't even know how to make this stop. Like, I can't do it. And I bawled crying and he was just like, there, there, pet um i'm sorry i'm not there to help you and i'm like i'm glad for you that you're not yeah. missing this because he has he can't understand it he's just like just get rid of them this is too hard it's, <laughs> just just sell them just give them to someone
0: yeah that is the answer though isn't it really i mean that's what we need to do instead of keep buying more of the bastards
1: yeah yeah but anyway here we are not mustn't dwell <laughs> um, <laughs> But as I said, so far, that was a real low point. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they're just wankers. Fuck my life. Why can't they just horse?
0: Yeah, I so agree. Oh, Okay, so actually this wanker of the week, um, I feel like I've already done it, but it's come from Meredith Kessel and she sent it in um, and she said that this was, she was resending it just in case I'd missed it. Um, <laughs> very tired. Um, and I said, like, we've already done it, I'm sure. She says that we haven't. So if we have, then she's a bigger wonker, And if not, then I am. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who knows? She said, so the nomination is for a combination of herself the husband of the lady she adjusts with, so that's like livery in Australia, I'm guessing she is, but mostly herself. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, it like a year ago now, um, she went for a ride before work because she didn't start until midday. To save herself some time, she asked the lady whose property she adjusts at if she could go and have a shower at her place so that she could go straight to work. She's done that before and the lady said, yes, not a problem. So she rides, washes her horse because they had a show at the weekend, puts him back in the paddock, lets herself into the house, showers, gets ready for work, tried to get out of the bathroom to discover the loose handle on the bathroom door didn't actually move the door latch. She had shut the door and was now locked in the bathroom. Both the friend and the husband were at work. No one else was there. So she rang her to ask if there was a trick to getting out of the bathroom. She said the woman said she didn't know her husband used the bathroom, not her. So she would ring him. She rings the husband and he says he doesn't know because he never shuts the door, but says that if she's locked in there, she might as well tidy it up for him. So she had to ring work and explain that she was going to be late because she was locked in a bathroom and she had to ring her mum to come and rescue her and open the door from the outside. She said her boss did compliment her on her very original excuse for turning up late.
1: For me, what I take from that story is, I bet that bathroom door has been broken for like three years, and the missus of the missus and mister has been asking him to fix the door, and he hasn't done it, and he hasn't done it, and he hasn't done it. And then this happens, but because he's an enterprising sort of chap, like he got round the problem by just not addressing the problem by never closing the door. Yeah. But now you're stuck in there. She as to make yourself useful. Yeah. I mean, like you can, like it's man logic. It's not, it's a bit sexist, right enough. But I mean, you can kind of see where he was going with it, I
0: guess. Um, Mine, to be fair, yeah. when we moved in here, um, there was like a really tatty blind up. So the bathroom door's got glass, it's half glass. Who the fuck does that? Not the bathroom, the little toilet, the downstairs toilet. And it had a really tatty blind. So I pulled the blind off. In my head, I was going to get another blind. <laughs> but obviously, it's me. And horses are more important. So I didn't. So when like my friend came, she was like, um, what's the situation with the toilet? And I was like, I just won't look. And she's <laughs> like, <laughs> okay then. So it was like that for ages. And then eventually, like so long went by and I frosted it. And my friend came and she was like, Oh my God, you frosted the bathroom door. Like she's so (laughs) excited. And I said, I know, like I should be proud of myself. She and then she stuck her head back in the kitchen and she said, Um, why does it not shut anymore? And I said, Mm -hmm. What doesn't shut? She said, The toilet door. And I was like, I don't know. And the Door's like moved or swollen or something, so now the fucking thing won't shut. So I think she thinks I'm some sort of peeping tom because basically I on my crew. Just fix the door. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, I think she
1: just doesn't drink anything when she comes to this house. <laughs> <laughs> Pees in the garden before she comes in. Um, we we have a we have like a, a toilet in the house. Like it's the nearest toilet to the kitchen, and. It was once part of a small bathroom, but for some reason now there's a bath and a shower and a sink that we never use. It's like we're so spoiled that we have this fucking bathroom we don't use. Our house is not that big. Okay. It's not, you know, we're not into mansion territory. We just don't use that bathroom. Um, and that his parents, like, I don't know, built a wall. And so it's a separate toilet. And when we first moved in there, it was just, I don't know, it's garishly decorated awfulness. And so I painted the whole thing like, cream because i'm all about cream and coffee colored brown but mainly cream everywhere i just um but the loo was then like it was a bit sterile a bit hospitally so i hang all my rosettes and photos and stuff i call it my loo of interest yeah because sally cross cadden who's the irish olympic team trainer for the eventers she's the chef for the the eventers she uh, it's her fault because she obviously invented to like super mega duper star level and her downstairs Lou at her house it's sort of like press clippings and you know pictures of her casually popping around badminton or whatever yeah um and i loved it because like you're having a pee but it's really interesting yeah you know what i mean so that's i went down the same obviously my loo is only interesting to me and it's not even that interesting to me because i won the shit or hung up the pictures <laughs> but nonetheless still it's better than it was yeah um yeah but my the the toilet possibly sounds like it might be possessed like the flushing part is fine but there's something wrong with the refill and it makes this really very loud could possibly raise a graveyard sort of hullabaloo when it's refilling like it's high-pitched whistling groaning shouting sound and it it varies Occasionally, if you're lucky, it sounds like it's blowing gone away. Okay. <laughs> but mostly, it's just a lot of a cacophony of noise. Very alarming. I've asked and asked for this fucking toilet to be fixed because then when people come and they flush the toilet, it sounds like the house is falling <laughs> down or the toilet's refilling. I just I don't know what it is with men and fixing toilet problems. They're just not
0: not that interesting. What's into coming? It. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so anyway, that's the boring story of my loo and it's weird noises that frightens the visitors.
0: <laughs> it's just the to-do lists, isn't it? They just, yeah. they get longer, never shorter. Yeah, that's Overwhelming, the thing. yeah. It's Overwhelming. just too much admin. Admin is exactly it. All right, so that is all we have time for this episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, we would love it if you could subscribe and leave us a five-star review would be really nice and keep sending in your stories and questions to book off banter on facebook and instagram and book off banter at gmail.com for anything else thank you so much and we will talk to you next time bye